0: On this episode of AV Week, Kaleidoscape is ending their business, what that means for the commercial industry, as well as technology in general. We also look at how manufacturers support training and their dealers across the world. All that and more, next on AV Week.
1: The network for the AV industry.
2: What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV AV Nation. Nation. This is AV
1: Nation.
0: AV Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Extron. This is AV Week. Episode 261, recorded Friday, August 26, 2016. Colliding scapes. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. am Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news, and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us to talk about all said news and information. First and foremost, uh, buddy, pal, and one of the smartest programmers that I know on this planet. His name is Dave Hatz, and he's from AVI Systems. Good afternoon, sir.
2: Hey there, Tim. Thanks for having me. Absolutely.
0: Uh, also with us, uh, actually didn't know how i did this but we have two fabulous underwriters uh, first and foremost uh from grand old ireland his name is ed morgan from display note hello sir hey tim how
1: are you good
0: for for our uh for our time zone uh deficient folks what time is it there
1: <laughs> it has just gone one minute past 7 p.m
0: 7 p.m so uh, yeah. dave and i are in the real time zone that would be the central uh, Port uh, George is on the eastern, so seven into one is six hours ahead of us, so correct. there you are. Uh, and I so mentioned, I'm I mentioned,
1: one hour
3: closer to, to a beer, than <laughs> Yes, you're, you're six <laughs> hours sorry, closer to a Seven hours closer to a beer. Yes. Yeah, I remember um, the last time flying back from Ireland, it was a six hour flight, and we actually landed a minute before we took off.
0: See, that's cool. <laughs> Stuff like that's cool. Uh, yeah. that, that voice, it's for those 48. of you listening, is, is George Fournier. George is from FSR. Welcome, sir. Thank you, sir. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Uh, hey, so we're going to start this, this, this episode off and, 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 and this show with a story that I debated uh, with our team, whether or not to do it. Kaleidoscape. Uh, and, and you'll understand why as I get into it. Uh, we'll show you here the, the there's a story from Engadget. There's also a really good um, interview with Julie Jacobson uh, that she did for, with CE Pro with the, the CEO of, mm-hmm. of Kaleidoscape that we'll post on, on the show's page Really great interview with with the CEO. Um, actually, I think she got picked up. That got picked up by uh, Fortune magazine uh, and their website. But Kaleidoscape is shutting down. Um, it's a, it, If you're not familiar with Kaleidoscape, it's a high end um, movie player, but it's also a streamer. And and I, I hesitate using the word streamer, but that is what it has ended up being. Except it's a high end one. It's a bit for bit. It is a pure. Oh my gosh! If you want the the best representation, the the best highest quality movie player in the business, this is the one you got. Um, for those of you in in commercial, your the CEOs that you deal with, if they had a home system. This is the one they had, right? Um, there's a lot of things going on in the background here, and the reasons why. And and like I said, I'll post the different. Uh, articles that have been published about this this kind of shutting down. Couple things that, that came out of this, and a couple of reasons why. Number one, you had a long term fight with the MPAA and, and Hollywood over digital rights management, and eventually Kaleidoscape lost that uh, that lawsuit. Second thing you had is you had a, a well you you had a, a player. That is a premium product. Think Lamborghini. Think you know uh, high-end sports cars. This is the, that, that version of that. Dave, we're going to start with you on this one. From your sense and, and, and from your standpoint, I, I guess the best first question is is why did Kaleidoscape, you know, uh, fail to um, make a business of this?
2: Well, I mean, I'll start by saying, you know, I work primarily in the commercial environment. So I've I've run across escapes a couple times. Um, but like you say, most often it's when we're dealing with the residences of the CEO of our companies. So I haven't, you know, had as much firsthand experience as many. But, you know, as I look at this, I really think it's a company that just didn't adapt properly over the last 15 to 20 years. That they were really focused on... You know their vision was being the highest quality and a very premium product and i'm not sure that they were able to keep you know in trend with you know the consumerization of the AV market space that is trickling into that high end you know high end residence that i know you know the, the residences i've dealt with were getting requests to put in apple TVs consumer devices and to put in Roku's and to put in the same thing that they see and their friends see and yes it's a high-end system there's certainly an expectation of high quality but the question really becomes does that person really understand the difference in quality from the Mm -hmm. highest-end Kaleidoscape on down to something that's much more moderately priced and they hear publicized on the news reports and in the media and in the stores they go to, and so you know I look at it as a company that might not have adapted the way they should have.
0: Well, and and to be clear, I mean, there there were lower end priced escapes. You could get into some uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of three to five thousand dollars, depending on on the the, the the level. That's not a Roku, to Dave's point, and and that's,
2: and that's the problem is that. Three to $5,000 being the economy model yes. is a lot different than 250 or $300 being the economy hundred model. 100 bucks. Are you kidding me? I, I, I,
0: I can get a, a Roku right now, run out and, and grab one for 85 bucks. I can get a, a yeah. Google Chromecast for for 45 or 35
1: Yeah, yeah Fire Stick, I think I picked one up today. It was like $30. And as soon as this podcast is over, I'm going downstairs to sideload as many streaming apps as I can. But, you know, that's... You know that's the yeah that's the price that they're no they weren't even competing against it it was yeah. they probably never saw them as competition but ultimately they were
0: well and yeah. it, it, we'll, we'll get into this after I, I get George's two cents but but let's talk about that very thing George first of all from from the manufacturer side you know the, what what do you see as some of the 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 factors here in in kaleidoscape going away I.
3: Personally, I feel that that was um, exactly what we mentioned earlier. Is it, It's just they didn't have their finger on the pulse of what was going on. You know, it, it's like having a Bentley and saying, okay, well, people who buy Volkswagens are going to buy a Bentley. It's like, no, it's, you know, you, the, the market is becoming anybody. You can find kits online now to build your own Siri-type home system. You can make your, you can basically, you know, kids are being taught in high school to how to write code and build their own streaming services and their own PCs and their laptops and their tablets and all this other stuff. So the machinery is almost becoming slowly secondary. And for the, the service that they provided and considering all the battles that they went through and all this stuff, people started getting nervous, I would say, about dealing with them in the first place because of all the lawsuits and everything that was going on. So they're, they're, customer loyalty and then being at the top dollar range at the same time i think there were two battles that they they didn't fight very well
0: and let's let okay so let me bring in something that that ed brought brought up the fact that that you can pick up a a a streamer for 30 bucks and it's something that i actually wrote a piece for for ce pro about the amazon echo and I'm going to bring in Amazon in this. I'm going to bring in Chrome and Google into this, uh, and a little bit of, of Apple as well. But they don't do, they don't appear to do as good of a job as as those two companies. And that is this wonderful buzzword of of analytics and big data. There's a reason an Amazon Echo is less than two hundred bucks. There's a good chance that it costs less than what it costs Amazon to make. Uh, we know for a fact that the Amazon Fire is that way. Amazon Fire costs about two twenty to two thirty, depending on which report you you read, to produce, to actually manufacture, and they sell it for a hundred, to hundred and fifty bucks. It's a loss leader. Same thing mm-hmm. with the, with the Chrome. It's a loss leader. Why is right. it a loss leader? It's a loss leader because they're getting data on you and then turning around and selling it or using it, right? In in Amazon's case, um to sell you things, right? Um, exactly, exactly. So... Go ahead, George.
3: No, I mean, that, that's a perfect point, is that you have, you know, Amazon Prime.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You're paying, you know, it was originally floated out to people, okay, you get better shipping, or you get better delivery time. Well, now it comes with free video.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So you're paying, you know, and so people are willing to pay, yeah, they only pay 150 bucks for that, that fire stick, but then they pay 90 bucks a year for Prime, and they've got the full system. Yep. And they're getting good content.
0: Original content. I mean, they're starting Original to do. They're start. Well, well they, they have they have their cadre of of content that they have access to, um, uh, uh, rights and uh, agreements with. But they are they're starting to produce their own content that are winning Emmys they're they're doing, mm-hmm. uh, competing directly with Netflix for that.
3: Yeah, and without having to be as blatant as putting a commercial up every four, five minutes like broadcast TV or Hulu. They, yeah. Or Hulu, you know, they've got that captive audience now that says, you know what, I'm going to go to Amazon first to look for this stuff. It's their first stop, and it's mm-hmm. it's, it's slowly becoming embedded. It's you know, as we said before we started, is a, you know, I just put a Roku player in my house, and the first two things we put on there was Netflix and Amazon Prime. Yeah. You know, I haven't had to add anything else. I added. NASA TV this week was the was the third thing I put on there, um, but it's you know it, it, I I don't think I've turned my Blu-ray player on in two two months.
1: Yeah, yeah. And go, going back to Kaleidoscope, you know, it almost reads like a the open chapter of the innovator's dilemma. You know, you can hear the CEO saying, "Well, our customers don't want to buy a low-end streaming device. It's 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 a high-end. That's our target audience. They are our customers." But well, yet, slowly or surely, as as you mentioned, Tim and guys, those customers were buying the Roku's or are buying the Rocos, Firesticks, the Chromes, the Apple TVs, and suddenly, here's a company with, you know, a very small customer base and, and no money left.
0: Something I suggested on on Resi Week this week is that they may want to, or whoever purchased them, some. Let's be honest, Kaleidoscape, as it sits, is 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 in mothballs right now. Very recent mothballs, but still mothballs nonetheless. Um, uh, the folks that were on it, H- H- Guy Fenner from, from Access Networks and, and Matt Scott from, from our team, they were bandying back and forth who should buy them, who should purchase them. And I made the comment, I said, they should just go for the gusto. They should own who they are. I mentioned Lamborghini and Bugatti and, and high-end sports cars. I made the comment, I said, they should sell their, they should make one product, they should make a make it damn good, and sell it for a million bucks, right? Mm-hmm. And, and just own, own who they are. If you've got this, it's it's like having a Fabergé egg, right? It is the digital and electronic version of a Fabergé egg. So I have no idea whoever's going to purchase them will will take yeah. us up on it, but they should do that. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh,
1: sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I, I, I can't put my marketer's hat on.
0: But, yeah, you
1: know, with any business, there's three. Kind of strands you get your customers, keep them and grow them, and the only way they could grow them is, as you just pointed out, is to up the revenues and own who they are. You know, they there is a finite amount of customers for their product, like a Lamborghini, like a Ferrari, so they should own yeah, own that space and, and charge a premium.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's talk a little uh, for a second about training. Um, we actually, this is the second time uh, in a week that Mr. Hatz has been on, on, on our air. Um, and so I, I appreciate that. Uh, but I want to take a couple different angles of this. Uh, I mentioned the fact because Dave did a, a show f- for us for our, our state of control, our con- our programming show, about programming. Um, the story we're going to use is from, AV, Inter- is from, uh, from uh, AV Magazine talking about Harman's and, and AMX's uh, programming uh, or training in Norway. Um, and I, I want to get into it this way because we've got a lot of different – we're starting to get a lot of different international shows popping up. And we as, as uh, the U.S. and North American media for, for AV are starting to pay attention When I think we should. I really do. I, I honestly believe that because there are things that happen outside the, the, the states that impact our market, impact our integrators. But also, it's very interesting, right? It's 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 unique approaches to AV. It's unique approaches to training. It's unique approaches to solving problems that the integrators have on a daily basis. Um, and I want to start with you, Ed, because you actually have a uh, you you sit in an interesting position. Um, Display Node. I mentioned the fact that you're you're my buddy from Ireland because that's where Display Node is. Mm-hmm. But you guys have not only dealers all across the world, but you have. Um, you have agreements. You guys go to different various shows. Uh, one of the, the first time I saw you was was at Infocom, but more, the next time I saw you was in Amsterdam at ISE, and mm-hmm. you guys were presenting and you were interacting and, and connecting with different folks. From your standpoint, as as from you know the, a U.S. based integrator, you are you're a foreign company, but other places you're not. You know you're just you're just over in Ireland. Yeah, how do you guys deal with with you know? connecting with folks in different countries and getting those disparate AV professionals trained and and learning about your product?
1: Good question. And sometimes it's not as, it's not very easy. Um, I think over the years, um, you get to get an uh, learn and understanding even, uh, how different regions operate culturally. So for you guys in the U S it's pretty much, always dealing with U.S. customers and, you know, you know the culture and you know how the lay of the land and the landscape where what would work for us in in Norway would not work for us in the Middle East and would not work in Japan or Australia. So we really have to get a sense of how your integrators, uh, resellers and distributors, what's the cultural considerations when, when dealing with them? So... E.g. in the Nordics or in Scandinavia, it, you would have to be mo- much more professional and uh, on time uh, to, compared to, say, Australia, where everything is a bit like Ireland and it's OK. It'll, OK, you can be a bit more relaxed. And anyway, That's just culturally. You just, um, you
0: just compared Ireland to Australia. I'm not sure which one is more offended at this point, but go ahead.
1: <laughs> I think, I think we, we should both be uh, versus, you know, the Middle East where everything is hurry up and you know, hurry up and wait, play that game. So you need a, an understanding culturally of, of, of each area, uh, each region and, and how they like to be presented to and how they adopt systems and, you know, even how they work through things like government tenders and uh, procurement. So, again, completely different to the Middle East, where I'm pretty sure I'm, I uh, went to Kuwait about seven years ago to present on a... Uh, government tender, and I heard last week that it's still still running. You know, Seven still years ago? Yeah, and they still haven't decided uh, <laughs> who's going to get the bid. Yes. So,
0: okay. Yeah. Uh,
1: to- totally different mindset from region to region, where it differs. I think you guys in the US have a better, you know, know the lay of the land. There's not too many cultural differences to to factor in.
0: All right, George, we're going to bring you on this one too. Uh, again, from the manufacturer standpoint. <laughs> How do you how do you deal with it? How do you deal with with the various, yeah, you know, like like Ed said, the various cultures and the various various nuances,
3: right? Um, we're still learning. <laughs> it's gonna, you know, we 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 um, believe last count we're in over sixty different countries now, and almost every single one is treated completely differently. Okay. Um, you know, we've been running into the same thing in the Middle East, where you know some of our bids are are you know going on double-digit uh, years that they've been in the process <laughs> uh, and we sell a unique amount of equipment where it goes anywhere from metal for infrastructure type products and electronics yeah. so sometimes it's easier for the metal products to actually get into some of these places in the electronics because of um, mm-hmm. CE ratings or UL ratings or MET ratings and that type of thing so there's you know there's sometimes we can't sell into certain areas we have an extensive rep network in the United States, where, um, but overseas, some of them, some of the reps are actually we would consider a classical distributor. Okay. Um, and some you'd even think we're an integrator because they're actually you know they're bringing the product in, marking it up, so it covers their VAT and their all their other pricing and all their other border crossing fees and all this other stuff, so that they can still make a profit on it and still get it into where they need to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's so unique. It's a challenge. It's a great challenge um, because, you know, they, they're pro- proactively reaching out to us. Um, we've had some uh, uh, reps in in Germany area who have come up with some great ideas on how to demo our control products and stuff like that to make it mm-hmm. really transportable because they can go from country to country the same way we go from state to state. And uh, in, in the
0: EU specifically?
3: In the EU specifically, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and it's been a it's been a great um, uh, learning experience and great exchange, uh, and it's opened up a lot of it. And you know, just as we were talking about a little bit earlier, is is, you know, Google Hangouts and some of this stuff has has shortened that bridge as well. So it's been. some late nights where I've been, you know, jumping on video calls to do some quick training with these people, or we try to get them to come to InfoComm a little bit early so that we can lock them in a room and cram some training into them quickly. Like the way that AMX is building this area, is, it, um, and uh, or Harmon, I should say, is, is doing this, is, is some great uh, opportunities, and, it, and it's something that uh, I think all manufacturers that want to compete in those markets really need to keep an eye on.
0: Real quickly before I, I move on with, with Dave, um, those, the, the CE and the, and the UL ratings and stuff like that that you do for here in the States, do right. any of those translate to other areas, to, to other regions of the world?
3: Uh, some do. Um, we specifically do use ETL, uh, which is like a UL type of lab. So our stuff will get UL, U.S. and Canada at the same time. Um, so many times a lot of those products will be um uh, accepted in Canada and Mexico, Latin America very easily. Um, going across the pond, though, it's um, that's usually a little bit harder. So we've started using uh, some of our partners. We use MET. Um, and basically, when you have an MET rating on it, that's almost accept, accepted pretty close to being globally, except for the United States. The United States accepts it, but they're still learning about
0: it. It's kind uh, of like the metric they, system.
3: Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, it has all the, it meets all the UL requirements. It meets all the public safety requirements. It meets all that stuff. But people, you go know, MET and they go, huh? You know, and it's, it, it's.
0: They still it's want to see the UL stamp on it, though, here, it, exactly, in the states. You know. exactly.
3: But once you extend, once you explain to them, okay, it's UL number this, it's MET number this, it's CSA number that, then they go, oh, okay, now we got it. Right. Um, we yeah. we even find that. Uh,
1: you know, sorry to cut in George, some, some features in, in, in products will be accepted in one region or one country and not in, not in another. So I'll give you an example. Our, one of our apps allowed you to export uh, PDF files to Dropbox. And you know we were told this is after release. In France, we don't, you know, we don't like Dropbox and we won't use Dropbox. Therefore, we're not going <laughs> to use this product.
0: Oh. <laughs> wow. Okay then.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So even like things like that. Again, as a small, you know, startup, as we were four or five people, we didn't have the kind of R and D and research arm to go and find out what is Dropbox accepted in France. Right. Do they like it?
0: So what is? What do they use? Okay. I'm sorry. What do they use?
1: Um. I, I think they used. Uh, I think they used, Google's pretty pretty well accepted.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: Drive. Yeah. A lot of uh drive uh Google have a couple of huge offices in France, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Dropbox. We were told no, we're not using
3: wow. it. There you go. Yeah, because we we ran into sort sort of a that outlines on the metal side, is uh, our table boxes. You know, a lot of our boxes work very well. They have they're designed around American power connectors. Yeah. Well, the second you put a European mm-hmm. connector in there, you lose three quarters of the size of your, your box. Yeah, it's a very large yeah. area. Um, so we had we actually had one integrator who didn't care. He was actually taking our boxes and he would bend his own metal for the inside brackets. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he was—he came back to us and said, look, you know, this is the way I think it would work better. And, and we've built some product around it. That's just been amazing. Well, but yeah. it was something that we didn't really consider over here um, yeah. because we're like, okay, let's cram as much stuff into the box as possible. And, and then you're like, okay, well now your connectors, you know, Four inches by four inches, what do you do? You're like, ooh, I just lost three quarters of my box. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah absolutely. Yeah. And and from the from the other side too is you've got um Kramer's the, the one that comes to the top of my head, but other manufacturers and and Dave, I want to bring in this to you. Uh, you have Kramer, you have Sennheiser, you have Barco, you have Bosch, you have these are the ones that just off the top of my head that, that have coming to mind that are are non US based manufacturers have have a significant presence uh you know at the InfoCom show and here in the states how do they do coming the opposite way right i'm I'm asking you know um uh george and and ed from from their standpoint but from coming the opposite way coming into the states how do these guys do it and others when it comes to training folks here in the states
2: it's i mean it's manufacturer by manufacturer specific you know some succeed much better than others um there's times where you know the documentation set I'll use this as an example. If many manufacturers, you know, you get the US documentation, you get the EU documentation, you get the Australia documentation and they're special, you know, there's little specific pieces that are geared towards the audience. Others, you get the one set of inf- of international documentation and it might be more focused on an EU company, it might be more focused on an Asian company, depends on whether you can interpret it in the u.s. or not you know i mean i would say the majority of the of the brands that we work with they it translates pretty well to the u.s. i think a large part it's because the u.s. market is such you know a large portion you know even if it's not half it's at least a third i would imagine of most of these major manufacturers and so you know they they have you know in their, you know, in their initial planning, I think I see that they're, you know, they target the U.S. as a key market. For other companies, you know, that start out, you know, more homegrown in the U.S. looking to go expand globally, that's where I can certainly, you know, see the challenges that you know Ed and George have been talking about. That, you know. You start out small, you grow, you know, you start out as a regional company in the US. Then you grow a few more states, a few more states, and eventually you become across the majority of the US. Well, then now you've got to take that next step and continue to grow, and it's a big step. Where I see a lot of the com- companies that are already based internationally, some of those challenges they've already conquered because across different, you know, regions of the EU is an example, you know, that they're taking that into account from the beginning as they're growing their company, and so coming to the U.S., it's just another another step, and I don't want to diminish that by any means, no. and you, know, you guys can tell me I'm off base on that, but, you know, I, I, I think that the majority of the companies I've run into really do a good job with it.
0: Yeah, and a lot of that comes down to their their infrastructure here in the States. And I, I'm, I'm going to make the assumption that from, from Ed and George's standpoint, the same thing holds true going the other way, right? Ed coming from Ireland and going to other ones, and George coming from New Jersey and going to other places. The infrastructure here in the States, I- at least in country, is incredibly important. You look at the companies that, that I mentioned, Sennheiser and, and Kramer, uh, two companies that I'll, I'll pick on. Uh, pick on is the wrong word, but I'll, I'll, I'll kind of highlight. These are are place companies that have infrastructures in place here. They have reps here. They have training here. They have offices here, mm-hmm. right? Um, from folks coming outside in, the same thing I, I would assume is is true. And and we'll talk about EU for a second. George mentioned the fact that in in the European Union you can put you know you can go to country to country like we do here, state to state. There's that agreement. And I'm not picking on Ed being in Ireland and the whole Brexit thing, but. Um, <laughs> but you know, once you, you have, I know it wasn't Ed, Um, uh, but you, once you have a presence, you know, somewhere in central Europe, then you can do that. Uh, you know, the one nice thing that we've, that we've learned that I've learned by going to ISC the last couple of years is the infrastructure that's in place from all these various manufacturers. Some have a, an office in, in in Amsterdam or or just outside of Amsterdam in in, uh, the Netherlands. Um, some have it in in France, right because to them that's more central some in Germany but from there they can go out and they may have two or three satellite offices, but they have a presence in, in Europe for that very for the very reason that George mentioned the fact that you can kind of pop around and service that entire uh, region. So it's, it's kind of neat and it's you know well you know kudos to Amex for, for doing that. but yeah that's that's kind of neat that that you're able to do that and it' it's not entirely you know, identical to the States, but it, it's very, very similar. So,
2: Well, and I, I have to assume that it, it also shows the local integrators, the local consumers, that that v- manufacturer does care about their market. Yep. That, you know, in in this case, you know, Harman going into Norway, it reinforces that mm-hmm. they're a brand that respects that marketplace and wants to be considered a key player in that marketplace. Yeah, right. yeah totally
1: agree.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm all right guys um, we're up against it here we were going to do a story about holograms and AR but I'll post it on the page and you can you can chuckle as as, as you will so uh, gentlemen thank you so much Mr. Ed Morgan thank you brother Thanks Tim where thank can, you very uh, much where can people find you and or display note
1: uh, com or at, displaynote.
0: at display display on the Twitters Mr. Fournier thank you sir.
3: Oh, thank you for having me, sir.
0: I want to. I'm going to pick on George for a second. George does something called AV Gives Back, and um, if you're on Facebook, find George and, and find that group because they do a lot of good work. So, that's my plug for you. You go ahead and tell folks how to find FSR and how and how to find you.
3: Well, thank you, sir. Um, AV Gives Back has been a, nice, a fun little hobby that's been going on, and and uh, we're we're working hard to try to keep growing it, and and it's really just to help other other charities, other people's projects. Get the word out. Yeah. Um, everybody, you know, uh, every integrator, every manufacturer has some kind of give back that they do, and and just help get that message out is, is, is what we try to do with it. Um, and, and we've been getting some great support from AV Nation and from, from everybody in the industry, and it's really been really appreciated. Yeah. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Uh, FSR is, uh, you can find us on the Twitters at uh, FSR underscore Inc. Um, and fsrinc.com. you got to make sure to do that, because if you go to fsr.com, you wind up at the Flying Saucer
2: Research Lab. And that. <laughs> that's not the same thing? I thought that was you guys all along.
0: Yeah. Hats has been ordering product from them for years and doesn't understand why it hasn't gotten to him yet.
3: Yeah, it's billions. Um. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, God!
3: And uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, George v Fournier because I just wanted to make a Twitter handle that was just so easy, people could always find it easily.
0: <laughs> yeah, I screwed up George's Twitter handle twice now when in-tagging him, so I still don't know who the other guy is. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Hatch, thank you, sir.
2: Oh, thank you, bud. Always have pleasure.
0: Absolutely. How do people find you or AVI Systems?
2: Well, more importantly, is to find AVI Systems. Um, avisystems.com, uh, at AVI Systems on the Twitter. Um, I do float around LinkedIn, Twitter a little bit at uh, Dave Hats AVI, um, but it's all really more about AVI than me. So.
0: All right, very good. Uh, and uh, on, on that note, it's more a part about uh, Aviation than me. So uh, go by the website if you would, please, Aviation.tv. Aviation.tv, you will find this program a host of others. I mentioned Mr. Hatch was on our State of Control earlier this week. That we'll be posting here in a couple of weeks. Uh, also, if you're going to CDA, check us out. Uh, we'll be popping around the uh, the CDA show floor here in about two or three weeks. Uh, we're hosting our, uh, our tweet up, which is a free food and drink. For anybody, any sort of AV professional, it's on Thursday between 4 and 6 in the Beer guard Garden at the Convention Center. There's more information on the website. Uh, so, yeah, so check it out, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been AV Week. <laughs>